at the Cambridge House Show for Investing News Network. I'm here with Rick Rule, Chair of Sprott Holdings USA. Rick, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, thank you. So Rick, you believe in business cycles and you've said that this bear market will be get a bull market. Um, the demand for commodities, especially in the developing world, as you know, is not going away, yet people are saying the super cycle is over. Do you buy into that thesis? No, not at all. Uh, this is my fourth major market cycle. I built my business and Sprott has built their business by the aggressive deployment of capital in bear market bottoms, such as the one we're in. George Soros has said he made his fortune by finding commonly held precepts that were wrong and betting against them. And that's precisely what we're doing here. Okay. So just about every metal is out of favor right now, but let's look at one that's deeply out of favor, uranium. So you believe that uranium is shaping itself into a new bull market. What's your, your reasons for that optimism? That's pretty simple. Either the price of uranium goes up or the lights go off. Although uranium is out of favor, particularly in the United States, it constitutes 19% of the United States electrical supply. Our balance between supply and demand is too tight. If, uranium, if the uranium type price doesn't go up, there won't be sufficient uranium supplies to keep the lights on. The price must go up, the price can go up. If it must go up and it can go up, it will go up. It's as simple as that. Will it go up next year? I don't know. But over three years, will it go up? Absolutely, for sure. Okay. Um, what will be the catalyst, though, for uh, an increase in the price? Well, one thing is Japanese reactors coming back online. The price declined because Japan shut down their nuclear industry. That took away 10% of global demand at the same time that the inventories that the Japanese had accumulated to run their nuclear power plants were sold onto world markets. It took the price from $80 a pound down to $40 a pound. The industry needs $75 a pound to maintain current levels of production. So the demand side is taken care of. With Japan coming back in the equation, it hastens the inevitable. Right, right, okay. So on, on Friday, we saw Energy Fuels acquire Strathmore Minerals for, for uh, 29 million. Was that a, a tie-up that you saw coming? It wasn't a tie-up that I saw coming, but certainly this industry needs amalgamation more than it needs anything else. There's too much GNA across the whole mining space, and combining two companies together and getting rid of one set of duplicate GNA when the assets are both geographically focused like they are makes absolute sense. Um, do you prefer small uranium producers when we're talking about investments? Do you prefer small uranium producers to the explorers? Uh, no, I don't. Um, okay. The small mine thesis where you're going to use the cash flow to grow the company without dilution is very, very seductive, but it seldom works. The truth is in the mining business that small mines, everything that can go wrong with a small mine can go wrong with a big mine, but only a big mine can make you big money. To take the risk that we take in fluctuating commodity markets, you need the potential of a world-scale reward. So I'm looking for people who are doing something on the basis of scale. Do you have any uranium juniors right now you're, you're watching? We are uh, long uh, fission, the spin-off of the sort of Denison. Mm -hmm. We're long Denison itself. We're long Cameco. We're long Rockgate. Uh, we're long Kivalik. So yeah, we're, we're long a reasonable crew. The, uh, the common thesis is the ability to be over 50 million pounds, in other words, sort of be a world-scale deposit, and to have grade. Uh, we don't want the really large low-grade deposits where the front-end capital costs wreck the economics 
and we don't want a small high-grade deposit where you don't have sufficient scale to matter. To matter. Uh, we want something, if you will, just right. So that does point to the Athabasca Basin, right? The Athabasca Basin is the Persian Gulf of Uranium. It's mm. truly spectacular. People don't understand the economic consequence of 10% rock. Uh, 200 pounds per ton at $40 per pound. You're talking about $8,000 rock. You're talking about $8,000 of contained value in a cubic meter of rock. It's mind-boggling, mm -hmm. the values associated with those numbers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, where are you right now on gold? Are you encouraging people to buy or, or stay away from gold right now? I'm encouraging people to audit themselves. I'm buying gold right now. When I look at the alternatives to gold, when I look at what I call anti-gold, anti-gold is the U.S. 10-year treasury. That's the so-called risk-off trade. I don't like the credit. The U.S. government is a credit. I'm an American. I read our budget. And I don't like the fact that they pay me 1.75% to take a credit risk. I believe that the anti-gold represents return-free risk. So my, my avoided benefit in owning gold is very low. And the set of circumstances where gold has traditionally performed well over time, I believe is in place. So I personally am a gold buyer. I'm a gold buyer because I'm afraid. I'm a bullion buyer because I want to protect my purchasing power. An investor needs to decide for himself or herself whether or not they feel that they need to protect their purchasing power. If the answer is yes, the historical constant with regards to that in terms of in times of financial turmoil has been gold. There's been a lot of talk and discussion as to where the gold price is right now. Obviously a big drop in April. Where are you right now on that? Do you, do you think that it has further to drop or are we seeing the, the beginning of a bottom where it might rise up? I'm agnostic. I don't mm -hmm. know. This is the mm -hmm. eighth decline, I think, since the gold price began rising in 2000. It's the third decline below 20%. These mm -hmm. declines are normal and natural, cyclical declines in secular bull markets. It needs to be pointed out to some of your younger audience that in the mother of all bull markets in the 1970s, the gold price ran from $35 to 850 In the middle of that, the gold price declined by 50%. Talk about a test of faith. Mm. People who didn't have the financial or the psychological wherewithal to stomach that missed a move from $100 to $850 over six years. These violent cyclical declines are a normal and healthy part of a secular bull market. Last time we talked in January, before the gold price tumbled, you were favoring gold developmental juniors. Do you still feel good about them now that gold is under 1400 I do, with, uh, with the caveat that owning the developmental juniors is certainly riskier than owning gold. Mm -hmm. You own them because of affairs that are intrinsic to the company, which exposes you to risks like capital cost blowouts to the upside. But certainly when I juxtapose the risk to the reward, I can tell you this, that the developmental gold juniors are, by our statistical measure, the cheapest that they've been since 1984. And that is certainly attractive from our viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Pardon me, I meant 1994, not 1984. 1994. Right. Uh, but statistically the cheapest that they've been in 20 years. And that's very attractive to us. Doesn't mean they won't get cheaper still. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to uh, switch gears a little bit and just talk about oil. So the U.S. has been pumping oil out of the Bakken region like there's no tomorrow. Right. And uh, some are even saying that, that the U.S. could become a net exporter by 2030. So what does this say to the peak oil theory? Uh, I think peak oil is an economic concept. It's mm -hmm. really a function of price. Mm -hmm. We are past peak $60 oil or peak $50 oil. We're probably not peak $100 oil. We're certainly not past peak $150 oil. So the, the peak oil concept is really a function of price. 
people forget because they're short-term oriented that markets work. Mm -hmm. uh, the cure for low prices is low prices. The cure for high prices is high prices. Mm -hmm. And people who ignore that don't make money. Yeah. How about natural gas? The, the fracking revolution has kept natural gas prices really depressed. Yep. Um, will demand ever pick it up to support a significant price increase? It is right now. The mm. price is up by 30%. Mm. Purely a function of the fact that at $3 a thousand, people weren't making money at natural gas, so they stopped drilling gas wells, they stopped competing, completing them. At mm. the same time, the very, very, very low price of natural gas has increased its utility consumers. What you're going to see in North America is a natural gas revolution as a consequence both of price but more importantly of availability. People were not implementing natural gas powered strategies for 20 years in North America because they thought that North America was running out of natural gas. Mm. There is for the next 40 or 50 years no concern about that. And you will see natural gas used for power. You'll see it used for petrochemicals. You'll see it used for surface transportation. The demand resurgence that you're going to see in natural gas is going to be truly, not is going to, is right now, mm. truly spectacular. Mm. Okay. And I'd just like to, to finish up with um, a question about, um, about the stock market. So people are dumping gold or bonds and getting into U.S. equities. Mm -hmm. Is this a mistake? Will, will we see the Dow continue to rise or is this a bubble that's about to pop? I don't uh, take information from markets. I believe mm -hmm. that markets are facilities to buy and sell assets. I think the very, very, very highest quality U.S. industrial companies are reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're cheap, but I think they're reasonably priced. And I think if somebody has a 10-year horizon, that some of the very, very, very high quality companies, a Johnson & Johnson, for instance, are probably uh, reasonable buys. I think most of the people who are buying U.S. equities are buying them because they've gone up in price. And that seems to me to be very, very, very strange behavior. I also believe that if the interest rates rise, the impact on equities markets, including resource equity markets, will be pretty ugly. And people who are buying these U.S. general market securities, particularly those who are buying them in search of yield, need to consider the impact on the capitalized value of the yield if interest rates go up. It will not be pretty. Okay, let's leave it at that. Pleasure. Okay, I've been Andrew Topp for Investing News Network. I've been speaking with Rick Rule. Thanks for joining me, Rick. Thank you, Andrew.